This is the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I invite today's most important influencers to grapple with their own wisdom and stories in an authentic, relatable conversation about self-help and what drives them. I'm Kevin Miller. I'll be your guide as I distill my guests' greatest wisdom and methodologies into practical, transformative steps. This podcast has been downloaded over 60 million times by people like you and me who want to elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. People doing mundane tasks are replaced by robots. And now people producing basic content will likely be replaced by AI. What can't be replaced is your point of view, your story and perspective, your flavor and your vibe. You buy so many products and services today, not because they're proven to be best, but because you want to associate yourself with the story behind them, with what they represent. And this is the essence of art and creativity. I really believe it's a myth that some people are creative and others aren't. We just tend to limit our scope of where and how people can be creative. And we're about to blow that myth up. I'm with Miriam Schulman. She's an artist and founder of the Inspiration Place, where she helps other artists learn how to profit from their passion or become better artists. She's helped thousands of artists around the world develop their skill sets and create more time and freedom to do what they love. Her art and story have been featured in major publications such as Forbes, the New York Times, Art of Man. She's been featured on NBC's Parenthood and the Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. She has a really popular podcast I'd encourage you to check out called The Inspiration Place, where she helps artists profit from their work so they can keep doing it and do more of it. And while we do talk in this show about the aspects of profiting from art, from the fine arts, my initial focus is that if we don't all have art and creativity at place in our work, no matter what type of work it is, we will likely find ourselves phased out or at least left behind. Our core product or service is just no longer enough for us to flourish. There are way too many other providers, competitors, other options. To stand out and succeed at a high level, we must add a creative, unique aspect to what we do and include our point of view. And as you'll hear from this talk with Miriam, our point of view in our work and what we do is how we connect with others. And that's the point. AI can inform us of anything and everything, but it can't connect. And this is our greatest opportunity. The Self-Helpful Podcast pays tribute to Zig Ziglar, one of our world's most inspirational leaders. Ziglar is the premier source for equipping top coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. Visit Ziglar.com. Let them inspire your true coaching performance. Friends, I I truly thank you for tuning into the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. That's why we're here. Next up, I bring you Miriam Schulman and an important discussion on the need in your work for creativity, art, and your point of view in order to connect with others. This is our greatest opportunity. Again, you can find Miriam's book, Art Preneur, Artpreneur everywhere. And you can get a free chapter at shulmanart.com slash believe. That's S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N, art, shulmanart.com slash believe. And, and I, again, I encourage you to find her podcast right now, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, check out hers at The Inspiration 
place. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Miriam, I love the title of the book. That kind of, uh, it was a had me at hello kind of aspect of artpreneur. And really though, it was a tagline that enamored me, you know, the step-by-step guide to making a sustainable living from your creativity. Because as we were talking a minute ago, that, that word creativity and even art, I have just been giving more focus to as we have a culture where I feel like whatever our content is these days, there's so much of it available. None of us can be the best at it that I I feel like today's the only opportunity we have to stand out, to flourish is to add something to the content. And I don't know what else it is besides our creativity thoughts. Yeah. Well, there's so much talk now of chat GPT and AI And here's the thing. If you are just relying on your information, you're not going to be able to compete with these robots because they can give information all day long. So what is it that makes you uniquely human, your quirks, your values, your creativity, your personality, your stories? You have to do that throughout everything you do because that's how you're going to stand out. Thank you. So that's what I was fishing for. So mic drop. Are we done? Mic drop. We're done. Yeah, we can go get. We can go get lunch now. Um, that that's what I'm fishing for because as I look at the, the topic, keeps coming up. No matter who I talk to, if they you know own a restaurant or a coaching business or you know whatever it is that we all want to think are well, it's me. So here I have a, a podcast. I'm you know you just had a book come out and you're on my show. You're going to be on a lot of shows. You've been on a lot of shows. You have. So what's different? If I can't pull something out of you that's different or speak to you from my own frame of unique reference point or have a certain angle that I go in, then I'm just regurgitating the same content that everybody else is asking the same questions. And so it feels like, yeah, that's, yeah. And especially with AI now, um, I mean, they're, they're even talking about that with art these days. You know, you can, you're seeing yeah. that. 
so far, I'm not impressed with the art I've seen coming out of AI. Maybe that'll change. And, but uh, everyone was doing it on uh, Instagram. There were all these, I call them the purple selfies. Okay. Because they were all like, everybody had shades of magenta and they all look like superheroes. Yeah. So there's like this sameness about it. So yeah. there becomes the sameness with art generated by AI. There's a sameness where text is ger- generated by AI. And then I, this has been around for a while. I just didn't know it. There's music generated by AI. I think they play that at my gym. It has very weird lyrics. Like you can kind of hear lyrics from popular songs that don't quite make sense. Like I thought I heard part of a Prince song, but you know, I'm in love with the secondhand store. It's like, no, no, that's not quite right. You know, it's like, so it doesn't make sense. But here's the thing. Now, this is true, whether you're an artist or you're a thought leader or you're an author, whatever becomes popular, it's always about having a brand new point of view, something that contrasts to what it came before. Now, AI can't do that because AI is just taking what, what was from three years ago, first of all, the chat GPT, it's based on three-year-old data and then it turns out something that it's an amalgam of like all that sameness you look at anything art music weight loss coaches even it's always about who has the new point of view like it's not going to be keto forever yeah (laughs) like now it's carb cycling so whoever can come up with that new thing that new spin that bright and shiny thing that's what's going to win so it's kind of like that darwin philosophy so Darwin, it was about, you know, it's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the most creative. Because Did you write that? That's a good line. Yeah. Who can adapt? Who can adapt the most? So creativity is a survival strategy, a survival strategy, whether you are an animal or you're in business, that's the crux of it. That, okay. Can we go now? That's, like, that's again. That's, I know I'm sitting here. I, you caught me typing. I'm sitting here. It's a survival yeah. strategy. No, I, this is even better than I hoped for. This is awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You made me think of. I don't know if you saw the old movie. It's old now. Russell Crowe uh, in A Beautiful Mind. It's about this. Yeah, he's at a university. I was always enamored with that because. You know, is it new information? Is it a new invention? Is it not really? But they're saying, can you have one? truly authentic thought on this concept. And so I hear you that that's what, that's what AI can't do. It's just going to regurgitate in different ways, all that's out there. And I see that in art, business, whatever. It's just somebody, it's the same stuff, man. It's another book. It's the same stuff. They've kind of, you know, jumbled it up a little bit, but there's not really anything new and authentic. And if not, then I don't really have a place for them on my show. So you obviously, to me, have something new and authentic. It's not that it's a new invention, that there hasn't been people trying to make money off of art for a long time, but you obviously have a new, wait, you know what? Can I, can I brag on you? I just, I was looking at you. Yes, please. please. Okay, can I? Here we go. Here we go. This is, this is a, a February. This was left a couple of days ago on Amazon uh, where your book is doing awesome. And uh, somebody named Anya says, best book for real artists on the planet. I'm a professional artist and have read almost every, in, in quotes, artist help book there is. None come even close to being as useful as this one. There were so many good suggestions. I ended up taking copious notes and I'm using them to good effect. If you can only afford one book to help you in your art, career this is it 
So there's my, you can, I'll invoice you for that uh, promo okay. later. Yeah. But, but that, I mean, obviously you know, you've taken something that's been around for a while, but you have added a, an authentic thought, a new perspective that's relevant, probably more to this day and age than a book was 10 years ago. And that's what we're talking about with creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to just emphasize something. It's not so much about having a brand new original thought. It's about having a point of view. Okay. And that is something that chat GPT cannot do. I mean, you can't even ask it, which is better hot dogs or hamburgers. It can't tell you. It doesn't like try typing that into oh. chat GPT. It won't tell you. It does not have a point of view. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. That That's why this is important to artists, thought leaders, uh, Wait, you have to have a point of view and you can't be afraid that your point of view is is, people aren't going to like it because people have to either love you or hate you. There's no money in the middle. So have a point of view. Stop people pleasing, people pleasing with your art. That's why the art all looks the same. You can spot those AI generated generated selfies a mile away. They don't have a point of view. It's just like this purple airbrush. Well, I, I love you saying that there's no money in the middle. Cause I look at that in the general marketplace and the economy. And if that's you in the middle, you're not going to have any loyalty. You can just say somebody comes along and says, maybe they're a little better. Maybe they're a little cheaper. Eh, go ahead and try them. If you're not yeah, on one of those sides with something unique about you. So I want to keep on this track, Miriam. Now, I don't want to minimize at all what is a primary focus of your book of taking people as we think them in the true, you know, arts, painters, sculptors, writers, singers, musicians, dancers, actors. And I do want to talk about that and give that focus because I, I, there's some unique things about that that I like. But yeah, to what you said over here, that if we all, I don't care if you're an accountant, a plumber, uh, you know, an executive doing whatever, a fitness instructor, whatever, if we think that our content, even our art is it, I think you're going to, you're going to get left behind. And again, I'm saying that as an artist on a microphone here, that if I am just regurgitating the same questions to you, there's just no reason to listen to you. I've got to do it with, well, I like that a point of view. What is it? And if people don't know my point of view, they're probably going to stop listening. If I'm not willing to share that. That's right. So, I mean, like if you watch any of those um, reality shows, like my favorite one is Project Runway. So they're always saying, I don't I don't know what his point of view is. Like they use that to describe it like with. But but that's the thing. When you look at anyone who's successful, whether it's politics, music Hmm. art, any of those things, they have a very distinct point of view because art is never neutral. Okay, you, and it, you, I just got the price of, you know, worth the price of admission type thing, literally with your point of view, because we've been talking about branding, positioning, what's the culture in what you're doing, what's the culture in my show. And I have not used the term point of view, but you're, you're totally right. That's what I want to know at, at the, at the end of the day with whatever provider I'm going to use. I don't care if it's a doctor, again, a plumber, uh, a whatever. We're all interested and tech to that matter. That's the media today is yelling about their, point of view and trying to get us to pick sides, which we normally do. And that is irritating, but it's also just where where I hear what you're saying. And I totally agree. That's where we're at. That's That's right. Wow. Um, 
He's okay. scratching his head right now. I am scratching my head because I just I'm, wanted to let the listeners know it, it, that. I, I love, this is why I love these conversations, uh, these un, unscripted conversations. I mean, cause so if we're talking about, let's go back to, I don't want to pick on anybody, but you know, to an accountant, I don't know if that's something that we generally think of with a creative aspect, but if you're an accountant, a CPA, I mean, I love my CPA because I don't understand numbers and finance at all. And yet I do want to know, yeah, what is there? Do, and do they understand? Well, let's turn it around. Do they understand my point of view? So I'm a small business. If they can just do numbers and do my taxes, uh, anybody can do that. I want one that understands small business because that's what I am and, and how that works, how they can you know save me money best. And really even to know that I am in the, in a sense, the information providing, I don't have a product or a service. I'm not a plumber. I don't have a restaurant. I'm in the information. And what are the unique things about that? And I want them to lead me this. I want them to know my point of view. And then I want to know that they understand that and have a point of view that aligns with that. That's who I'm hiring. Okay. Listen, accountants absolutely want to know their point of view. My, my mother, um, so my, my father passed away when I was very young. So her current husband, not, not my father, um, the, the, her, his kids want him to sell his place in Florida and become a, a, a New Jersey resident again. My grandfather's accountant would have never let them, him do that because the point of view is that now it's eroding the wealth, the family wealth and those poor kids. Now I'm saying kids, they're like, they're older than me. You know, they're in their sixties, like the generational wealth. So it's like thinking about like the family values aspect of things. When you're making these big financial decisions, that matters. Or is it, is your accountant worried about the short term gain of what you're doing or the long term benefit of your family? So that absolutely for an accountant, I would want to know what the point of view is. So it's like, I don't, I don't know that there is a profession that I'd want to hire where it didn't matter. Where, uh, unless it's just some pure commodity. If I'm buying cheap socks off Amazon, maybe, well, Maybe. No, I'm going to argue with you. So that okay, was my whole chapter and think like an abundant artist. Okay. So this was not an exa- a completely original idea. That's why I said it doesn't have to be completely original. But I had heard Dan Kennedy talking about using under treating underwear as a commodity and saying, hey, you know, you can get Hanes, a 10 pack for $14.97 and you can buy Victoria's Secrets. It's $30 for five pairs. But I was like, okay, this guy didn't take it far enough because I'm a woman and I know what drives me to spend money on underwear. And underwear can go all the way up to $400. Now, this is just something that covers your behind. Yeah. So if price was the, it was, if it was truly a commodity, then all we would care about is price. But what's the difference between an underwear that costs $1.49, $6, $30, $200, $400? It's the point of view. I'm thinking about my underwear now. Uh, I've not done that on a show before. So thank you for bringing me a unique point of view that has me thinking about mine. I have Tommy Hilfiger boxers because they're the only ones that make a slim fitting boxer. And, you know, and, and I would think that it was a brand specific thing, but nobody sees that I'm wearing, I don't, I don't do the old Marky Mark thing. Nobody sees it, right. Yeah. But okay. I hear you. But you you know, but you know, I do. And I'm feeling pretty good sitting here in my Tommy. That's right. And Tommy Hilfiger marketing team, they know they knew that because they were able somehow to communicate that to you that you're going to feel different in their underwear. And the funny thing is, I have no idea how much they were. I just found what I wanted and and ordered that. Um, Point of view: Is it fair then 
to come around then and say your point of view, no matter what you're doing, if you are going to not just be vanilla in the middle, like you said, it's your point of view. That is your art. Is that not the essence and essence at least of art is you taking that whatever you have in your mind or in front of you or whatnot as an artist and saying, I am painting my point of view, my interpretation of something. Is that another way to say it? Yeah. I mean, it's like, but, but your point of view is like, what are your values? How do you do business? Are are you a business that's sustainable? Are you a business that treats its employees well? And these things, by the way, matter very much. So, uh, I did research, and this is research from Win Big Media, where they were showing how important the conscious consumer became in our economy, especially after the social, social justice movements of 2020. Yeah. And this is a very large um, population that have, you know, good a lot of wealth, and it spans a lot of age demographics. So it's something that a lot of consumers pay attention to and they shop with their dollars. So that was where, where women's underwear came in. Like, okay, so now we have $400 pair underwear by Dolce Gabbana, but maybe I don't like their, their advertising. Cause I think it's, you know, I don't like their ethics and marketing or something, you know, their point of view. So yeah, yeah. I don't like their, exactly. I don't like, I don't like their values. I don't like their point of view. And there's a lot of people who vote with their dollars. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so it, your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital. And Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point. 
but getting them to actually give their payment info is. And Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. When we're you know talking on this level then that's relative to pretty to all of us, because I think I've separated that before, Miriam. I've thought, okay, artists, I tend to still put it in that box of you said created creativity of creators, people who are creating things. And play with that with me because there are people who yeah. are better at they don't they don't like a blank piece of piece of paper and uh you know to create something they they are really great at maintaining something and uh administrating something which I'm terrible at but in that I still want somebody as you said with a point of view but I want somebody who's an art I want a CPA who that's their art man that's where they flourish I don't want somebody who can just fulfill who just you know, they have a degree and they know how to you know fill out a tax form i want somebody who has an yeah. art i'm going to get more or i at least feel like i'm going to get more out of that so in that sense and again i don't want to minimize the arts help me with that because i, I do want to be fair yeah. to that but to say man, if you don't have some art within what you're doing you're probably going to get left behind in this culture where nobody's going to believe you're the best the only thing you can do is have a point of view that connects with somebody yeah yeah. I mean, um, when I talk about it specifically, so first of all, why is, why is what I'm talking about so applicable to everything else? Well, first of all, when I started writing the book, um, we didn't want it to just be for fine artists. I, I'm a, was a painter for 20 years and my publisher really wanted me to broaden the topic. So can it be ap- applicable to tr- trauma authors, Yeah, you know, ceramicists, but the thing is, Kevin, once you expand the definition of art and artist, really anything can be put in there. It, what what you're creating is your art, whether that is your business and you are the artist. And then the other thing is that this book really is a self-development book in disguise I, I as that, yes. a business book for artists. Yes. So I'm writing this book for all the art. It is for artists because I'm writing the book because they don't have a book like this for them. They go to listen to podcasts and about how to market. And the marketers are talking about, well, you need a cheat sheet. You know, they're talking to weight loss coaches. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this doesn't apply to me. I don't understand. So there's, so that's why I really wanted to write a book for creatives for the person I was 10, 15 years ago who didn't have anything. And there still isn't anything like what I wrote that is really for the creative person who doesn't want to listen to figure out like how to translate this thing that's happening over here for weight loss coaches into what I'm doing over here for my beautiful artwork. If that makes sense. It does. And you bring up a good point because it is the applicability to a broad spectrum that really caught my attention. And obviously that's been where my focus is so far as we've talked. However, I appreciate, and I want people to hear that, that you took that and said, oh, this can apply to everything. And yet you did take a specific niche that you focused on. And that's what really raised the red flag for us all to see. And I think that that's important for all of us. If you don't pick a niche and just say, I mean, the amount of books I've got, what do I have? Nine books here that as I came into my office today that I opened up of people trying to be on the show and the ones that just say, this is for everybody. It'll make everybody's life perfect. 
it's just too hard for me to vet it, man. It's just going to go by. It's going to go in one of the boxes I have here and I'm going to go to the next one that has some specificity. So kudos for doing that. Thank you. And then we talked about like, it has to have a new point of view. So this is like, maybe you never heard of business spoken about in this way because most art books don't talk about this. And like, there's that whole culture of, um, oh, you know, if you're a real artist, you don't care about these things, which is total BS. I mean, Michelangelo cared very much about the business part of being an artist. He died a very wealthy man. Yeah. So it, th- this has been something that the the artists that we know and love that have been that have been passed down through the years have all been really good business people. Well, and I think I attribute it to Seth Godin on you know, if you, in your art, in essence, if you can't do what it takes to bring it to the marketplace and deliver it, what good is it? And I've seen a lot of feels, I've seen it even with, you know, athletes, artists, athletes, some of the ones that I think, man, they may at the core be some of the most brilliant, talented people, but they could never bring their stuff to the market. They couldn't get their stuff together enough to actually deliver that. It's kind of like the old, you know, hard rock band or whatever that, man, they're, they're brilliant, but they're just wasted all the time. They couldn't get them into the studio and they never made a buck as a, so here's somebody, maybe they weren't totally as talented in the art it's in and of itself, but they were able to bring it to market and that's who we're listening to. Yeah. I mean, some of the pushback I got from the book is you're not talking about talent. Like where does talent come in? And I know that's what you were saying before, but here's the thing, Kevin, marketing and mindset is going to trump talent every single time. And we know this. We absolutely know this because we've all seen people rise to the top who were like, I don't get it. Why? What makes her so great? Or what makes him so great? And then we've all seen very talented people. And I'm talking about all industries, all niches. We're like very talented people, like you said, who flounder. And what makes the difference? It's mindset and marketing. And I would say mindset is more important than marketing because you don't have a good mindset. You're not going to be able to do the marketing. Okay, I want to play with that, and I'll use the painting to your right, I think, unless we've morphed it here. It's trees. That's what I can see right yeah. now. So tell, yeah. so tell me real quick about that piece, and, and I'll play from there. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about the piece? Just just what the impetus was. Well, I, I, can't okay. see, I can't see the whole thing, so it looks like All a right. forest so, scene. Okay. So I made, so for 20 years, just to give some backstory, I made my living as a portrait artist and doing realistic portraits, and about a year ago, we went to sell our house of 25 years. And so we had to take down the portraits. When you go to sell real estate, you can't have yeah. photos of or portraits of people. And the stager came in with these prints from Home Goods. I was like, oh, God, no, get those out so of here. So take down your authentic art and put up the AI. Yeah. yeah. So, so the stuff that you're seeing here, it, it came out from two, two my motivation to to completely break away from my own style came from actually two places. One is I did not want talk about lack of point of view, something that's like reproduced over and over again at home goods. So, um, you know, I, I, we can put art up in my house that doesn't have my kids on it, but it's not going to be that. And the other thing is part of during the pandemic as I had a lot of trouble actually creating realistic, my realistic portraits. I didn't mm. want to deal with reality during 2020, 2021 and, uh, painting these abstracts and the chaos that I was feeling inside of me really set me free. 
And the time that we're in now is not that much different, actually, from the time that the abstract expressionists were creating their abstract art right Mm. after World War II, the first atomic bomb, the Holocaust, all these horrible things that happened during that time. That was a response to it. So art is always going to be a response to what's happening now and your point of view. Mm. That right there, hearing the story. So if I'm looking at three comparable pictures with trees and I want to put some nature footage in my home to take one of those. And I think our, we still tend to default to that. Oh, we're going to pick the best one. The most, like you said, talent, who has the most talent? Well, how can you discern that? You can't, it's a one, you got a style, but let's say they're even in the same style. Ultimately with to a degree, I don't want to degrade the art, you know, but to art, to the underwear, to whatever, it's what's the story behind it? Again, the point of view. 100% because Kevin, when you invest in art, it's about either the story you want to tell your friends when they come over, like, right. It's like, and it may not be the artist story. It might be your story about how you came to collect that piece. You know, you were on vacation and your kids and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you tell this whole thing like that bicycle piece behind you. I'm sure that has a story. You want to know it? Yeah. yeah. So I was, a, I was a pro cyclist and uh, this last Christmas, my parents sent it to me as a gift. And it's because though it's, so it's this picture of the bike and then it says um, bicycle. And then the next line is childhood memories. And as I have, uh, I was a pro cyclist, I left it, just kind of abandoned it for a decade. And now today I probably have more joy. I have probably have childlike joy riding my bike, going mountain biking. And I've kind of, uh, reverted back to that and I love it. So that was a great piece that mattered to me. And so I put it, I replaced another thing, uh, picture with that. So it's a backdrop because it's a part of my story. So my book that's coming out in, in May, you know, it starts off former pro athlete, whatever. And we brought that back in as it's a part of my story. So yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Well, the story, that's what I'm thinking. So if I'm going to put something in my home, even in my office, whatever, to look at art. So I live out here in the Colorado Rockies and every little mountain town, it's really art focused. And there's a lot of um, galleries that you can go in and I'm looking and it's, you know, so, so much incredible art, a lot of nature stuff. And at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, that looks good. That looks good. I want to know this just what you said. If somebody comes in and says, oh man, tell me about that piece. Where did I buy it? And what was the story behind it? Uh, that's, that's what right. I'm going to tell. And if I don't know, it's, I don't know, man, it's just some piece I picked up. Well, who wants to do that? Especially if you, you paid probably won't, you, you wouldn't have bought it probably. Yeah. So I, I went into a gallery in uh, Provincetown with, and it was a tree paintings. I loved, loved the art until he started talking. So it was like, not that he said anything bad, but I said, what's the story behind this piece? And he started telling me how he puts the pain in this caulking. Like he was giving me process. Now I'm an artist. You would think I, of all people, would be interested in the process. No, it was like finding out how sausages are made or the magic trick is done. I don't want to know that. I just really want to know why did you paint this? Where was this? What were you feeling when you created this? How does painting make you feel? Like those are the types of things I want to hear. I don't care how the paint got on the canvas. Yeah. And that brings us again back to that. If I've got five CPAs to pick from, what's your story? And so if I can't go find their story... And I felt like this for a long time now it, with different providers, 
I'm just going to go to the one who I can figure out their story. Why are they doing this? What is unique about them? Again, yeah, what's their point of view? What's their specialty? Anything. So whether it's a piece of art or somebody who I'm hiring for a service type thing for my home or business, I want to know that. And I still think that we are drastically missing this in the marketplace. We've got kids coming out and they still just want their acumen to be valued by the, I got the degree, I can do CPA, I can sculpt a mountain lion. It's just, I, I think you're, we've got too many offerings today. And so I feel like your book is not just a, a help. It's a, this, this is the opportunity. This is the opportunity, but that's not being taught to say your opportunity is in creativity and in art and whatever you do feels paramount. Really? As I'm thinking about, yeah. my, we were just talking about our kids feels paramount. Yeah. So one marketer that gets this so does this so well is MasterCard. So MasterCard, and this is something I also I talk about in the book because I think what they do is so brilliant. Now, MasterCard, it, it's a credit card. They could talk about the interest rates. They can talk about we have the lowest interest rates or right. we save you the most money. No. Okay. So they're commercial. So the first one came out in 1997. It was a father and a son going to a ball game. Okay. And the story, the narrator saying, oh, you know, Coke, $5, you know, popcorn, $10, tickets, $20, signed baseball, whatever it was, $50. He adds it all up. And the last 15 seconds of the commercial, and this is the way they end every MasterCard commercial, relationship between father and son, priceless. So what they are selling you is an emotional story. That is what they're selling you. They're not talking about, oh, it's convenient to carry around a two by three inch piece of plastic in your pocket so you can buy things. They're not telling you that whatever it is, the APR, I forget what the terms are. You know, they're not telling you any of those things. They're just telling a story so that you have an emotional connection with their product. And if you, if I don't filter myself as a business person, as an entrepreneur, and you just give me my product or service and say, okay, just go, you know, tell us about it. I'm going to go tell you about those details that nobody cares about. That's my, that's right. And we all fall guilty of it. Yeah. My goodness. I've written a whole book and still sometimes I'm telling people how many zoom calls they get. Don't, don't nobody you. cares how many zoom calls because they're not paying for zoom calls. How many things? So have you done that? For too? Results. Yeah. You, you write a web. Have. Like you're, you're tired. You want to answer an email and you're like, well, you get this many templates and this many videos. Like, yeah. oh, shit, what did I just, how do? many times have I written? Written that and then gone back and go, whoops, there, there I go. Head smack. There, there I, I go again. What's, what's the story? We just had the Super Bowl. So I, I don't watch sports these days, but every once in a while I'll check out Super Bowl just to see kind of the pulse of America, see what's happening. And you watch the ads and it's always amazing. We sat there. I sat there with one of my sons uh, specifically. And again, he doesn't watch, we don't watch a lot of TV with ads or sports stuff, but he's watching. He goes, man, that was an interesting ad. Wait, what was it for? That was the constant thing. So I think they know that we, we have the ad for the, whatever they don't, they, they're usually trying to tell a story and bring us in there. And yet so often though, they don't put, you know, the, the MasterCard, they don't bring it home as well. So it is story, not content that seems to lead out in the marketplace, but then we do need to bring it home. Um, I mean, you talk then about the fine arts and, you got me thinking on that as well, that we're talking about some of the unique things there that we're at a place in, in time now. Well, here's my analogy. So I live out here in the mountains of Colorado. We know that for years, people are flocking to the big cities. They're now becoming, you know, mega cities. As they do that, though, 
the demand for the getaway places, the resort places like where I live is at an all time high. I mean, the prices for any, any town out here in Colorado are just going through the roof, the ski resorts, the everything. So as those, so that's my analogy to say, as we have so much available of everything in every category, it feels like that's what we're seeing though. Now it's this, this great divide of now people flocking to, again, the, this, the stories, the creative outlets. And that's where I see, I, I, and I don't know this, I don't study the industry, but my thought is just as resorts and getaways are going up, that that's what we're going to see. Even with the arts, we're so bored with the mundaneness of basic survival that we want to be entertained. We want to feel. And in that sense, there's more opportunity in the aspect of fine art than ever. Absolutely, because we talked about the pandemic and we talked about all that great art that came out of World War II. So whenever you have these existential crisis happening, people need more meaning in their life. And art is what gives the world meaning. So it's not just and we also have a lot of people who are like leaving their jobs and becoming artists. I mean, we can talk about that, too. But at the same time, the world really does need this art. Now, one of the reasons I wrote the book Artpreneur, we're circling back to why I felt we needed this book. And and you were reading that thing like, why does this book stand out? When I what I was so frustrated by, Kevin, when I first started trying to figure out how am I going to market my art is I kept hearing the same messages talk about the pain, talk about the pain. I was like, well, what is the pain for the art, for selling an artwork? And they're like, oh, well, it's a blank wall. I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Uh-huh. A, mirror, a mirror can fill a blank wall. And if we're only talking about what the need something fills, well, t- toilet paper fills a need. Right. So you can't just talk about the pain. You have to talk about the pleasure. And this is what people will actually spend more money for things that give them pleasure. And we can see so many examples of this and it doesn't matter what the economy is because like what when we have a huge when you had the depression lipstick went through the roof now during what what the time we have now art was at an all-time high in 2020 there were a lot of things like that where things that gave people pleasure those things outperformed uh, i mean i know we had a a toilet paper shortage but besides that Right, right so Okay, so it's about what gives people pleasure and how do you sell that? Because nobody would, in their right mind would say, um, go see this Harry Potter movie. It alleviates boredom. Fair. Yeah. And that's the pain point. And the same thing where you're, you're saying, like, why, why would the cost of resorts um, be going up? That doesn't fill. There's no pain point there. That is purely for pleasure. No, I appreciate you pulling that out because with a lot of products and service, yeah, you're right. We're out here in the marketing world and we're going to say, man, number one place to go is a pain point. What is the problem that you solve? Well, yeah, with the, with, with art and premium issues and luxury things, whatever, it's not, it's, that is fulfilling a desire. So you're right. We're barking up the wrong tree. If we're coming to, that's what's interesting to me because we're talking about something that well, here, here, hit this because I was about to say, as I was thinking about the show, that we're talking about things that are non-urgent. Art is generally not an urgent thing. Like if I need my septic tanks cleaned out, which I just had to do in my mountain home, it's pretty urgent. Um, it was really urgent. But with art, with entertainment, it's not 
it's not urgent, but I was about to say it's thought of as maybe not a necessity for survival, but for thriving for my soul. I would say that's a place to push for art right now. If you want your soul to survive, if you want your soul to flourish, then that's what art is for. Cause we all are just desperate to be moved to be, but we're back into story to, to come into a that's point right. of a perspective. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all, and Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com to give our li- our make our lives um give it meaning yeah. and what what you were saying before lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> it's okay that's why we have people who edit this show you know no worries go that's okay you my, can my buddies say it. empty box cars are going by we'll go well, no, do you want me to, we, we can pause for it to come back or we can just roll. No, no, it'll come back to me and I'll interrupt you. Okay. That's, that's the way it'll happen. Okay. Well, um, I'll, right. I'll, let me, let me, let me, let me make a timestamp. Uh, cause my, my premise there was that, yeah, we need our, uh, for our soul to thrive. That's okay. So, um, yes. Okay. I know what I was going to say. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because we're talking about needs. So that's why. In Artpreneur, I talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And yeah. maybe your listeners have already heard this and like, wah, wah, wah. But that but the highest part of that pyramid is our self-actualization piece. What does collecting art say about us? What does it mean to be the kind of person who values art? What does it mean to be the kind of person that likes this music versus that music? This is your point of view. Remember, we talked about point of view from the very beginning. Art is a way for individuals to express their own point of view. So you don't just have to be the artist to express a point of view. You can be the consumer of an art to 
express your point of view. And that's why expressing your point of view matters as the creator, because it matters to the person consuming it because it says something about them. Can we bring that home? So, so everybody listen to think about if you don't think you're an art collector, what do you collect? What are the brands that you like? That's right. Because my first thought was I got into, I've known this guy for a long time, but uh, he, he owns a company called Zero Shoes. It's now X-E-R-O, Zero Shoes. So they're minimalist shoes. Uh, it's been out a long time, but he keeps expanding the product line. I love it. They're zero drop. They're pretty minimalist. Uh, and, and now he's got new styles. And I found myself collecting shoes. I'm now like, who was that? Amel DeMarcos. And I, I finally like, dude, quit buying. I can't wear that many shoes, but I'm, I love what they stand for. I love, uh, here's what my brother said, Miriam. He said, what does it imply about you? Exactly. So I wear these shoes. I got a, I got a pair. You right want to know what, what matters to you? Look at, look at what you're spending your money on. And I like your word. What are you collecting? What are the things? That what you are you collecting? Have? What are the things that you have around you? What yeah. does that say about you? What are you wearing? What's the car you drive? How are you decorating things? What are you associate? Like your computer, you know, are you an Apple person? I mean, I, I, I they got me. They, I, I totally bought into the brand and everything I have is Apple. Uh, and at this point I'll never do anything else. Cause I don't have the patience to figure something else out, but it's still though, it implies, I mean, I remember the ads back then and it was something, it was about being different. You remember those? It was the, you know, like Apple people are different or something like that. And I thought, well, I want to be different. I mean, they got me. I even know, I know this game and yet, so that collecting. So even if you're not, and I look at my shoe guy and think, man, he's an artist. He's an artist in the story and the, sh- the videos that he sends out every week to his database are about stories. And I want to associate with that. Yeah. And that feels to me like a great opportunity though. You know, Miriam, some people are going to hear that and it is, it's going to be, that's going to be a burden to them to hear They go, okay, you know what? I just, I just make a good shoe. Can that just not be enough? And I, I okay. Well, okay. Well, look at Nike. I mean, when you're buying Nike with their their slogan, "Just do it." What does that mean if you're someone who likes Nike or somebody who likes to take action? Yeah, it says the brands you buy say something about you, whether you want them to or not. And when you were, and that leaves the void, though. If if you do somehow achieve that it doesn't say anything about it, then I'm not going to buy it. Well, I have no reason to buy yours. Yeah. Okay. So, and this brings up a very important point because uh, there are people who don't want to express their point of view online because they're afraid of alienating people. Thank you. Well, that means that you're, you basically are not transparent. That's your point of view is that you don't, you don't value transparency. So that says something about you as well. So by you not expressing a point of view, and not only that, people will make assumptions anyway. So you didn't you didn't post a black square today. What does that say about you? So, you know, people are going to assume things about what your point of view is. So you might as well, they're going to make a make a guess of what you think. You might as well, if they're not going to like you, you might as well have them not like you for the right reasons. <laughs> well, I, you're just pointing to that. It gives them nothing to latch on to. And I've done that, Miriam, over the past so many years. The show is doing well. And I was tired of kind of the social media thing. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go produce the shows and just stick with that. And then now as I've done the book and now as the show is growing, but you know, I've joined a network, they wanted to join more or to, to grow more. And they're saying pe- people need to know what to latch onto. And I'm thinking, I don't really want to go paint my life all over social media. And they go, I get that. 
but just share what you're doing. So if you're out on a mountain run, take a picture and say, I'm out on a mountain run. Then people who care about that are going to have another reason to say, I want to associate with that point of view, as opposed to the next person who has you on their show, who's in a Manhattan high rise driving a Ferrari. And there's people who that's what they want to associate with. But if we don't give them anything, back to you said, then, then they're, they're not transparent and we, it just takes too long to vet them and figure out what they're about. It's easier to go to the next person who you can also, figure they'll out. They'll be bored. It's, they'll be bored of you. Like I, yeah. I have this woman right now who just discovered me. God bless her. She was like responding to every story on my Instagram. And luckily I was sitting in the hairdresser. It was like, as my phone was dinging away, but you know, this is, this is what your super fans are going to do. They're going to look at all this stuff and they're going to, and, and she was finding, you know, she's probably a very different person than me. She's 72. She has grandchildren. You know, I, I'm 54. So we're, and I don't know much th- that much about her. I'm assuming we're very different, but she was latching on to things. Oh, you have a tuxedo cat. My father had a tuxedo cat. You know, and she was just looking <laughs> yeah. for like what we had in common. And it's like, you know, you'll see that with people who have these raving fans. It's like, Oh, that, you know, like Elizabeth Gilbert, people would say to her, your story is my story. And she'd be like, no, it's nothing like your story, but they will find those little threads. And if they love you, they will grasp onto those threads. Okay. Well, so you bring me to that point of, yeah, ultimately what we're talking about with this point of view, then the culmination of that is connecting. Yes, that's right. I connected with a shoe brand. I mean, I don't, I think the guy might remember me, but he doesn't know, you know, it's been a long time. I just, I buy his shoes, but I've connected with him. I know him uh, or I know about him. I know those connection points, the connecting point. And that, that feels more authentic. We're in this age of authenticity that we're saying, yeah, give people, I hear that's what you're saying. Give people an opportunity to connect. If you don't, then they won't. That's pretty good. Right. And then, and, and also, yeah, very, Thanks. very good. And also it's like, then you're not any different than the robots. You know, you're just True. viewing your information if you don't have a point of view. So like, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter head. I talk about Harry Potter a lot. If you've read my book. You'll see a couple of Harry Potter references in there. Not all my fans like Harry Potter, or maybe they haven't even watched the movie, but I've given permission for them to be their super fandom thing, whatever they love to right. do. Um, not everybody who follows you maybe is into mountain biking, but you know, maybe they like to, they hike in the woods. So it's like, you've given people permission. Also, when you are your own authentic self, you give everyone else permission to be their own authentic self. That's what makes people feel comfortable. It's so interesting. Cause we just did a trailer for my show. We just crafted a trailer that they're promoting on other networks, you know, a, a, around with similar audiences. And that's what they were doing. What do we pull out? And so it was things like former pro athlete, I'm trying to remember what the details were, former pro athlete, you know, author, podcast or whatever, a father of nine, uh, that's unique. And, and then I think it was broadcasting from the high Rocky mountains. I mean, because that is, that it comes out of my verbiage a lot. We're doing a show and I go, like, we're having a blizzard up here at 9,000 feet. And I mean, it, it is. So I shouldn't, if I don't give a connection point and I shouldn't come off as, I mean, we've seen this a lot of times where we try to come off as something that we're actually not as well. And associate. And, and in this day and age, I don't think you can, it's going to come out. If you're, if you're communicating who you are is going to come out. So I hear you saying you might as well makes me think of the caricatures. Like if you've ever been at a state fair and they do the little caricatures and they're looking for what about you, can they exaggerate a little bit that makes it really you? Is that a relevant aspect of art is taking your point of view? How can we exaggerate that? So people have a connection point. 
Absolutely. So one of the things I talk about in the chapter Embrace Your Inner Weirdo is Britney Spears. So when she first came on the music scene, what she did was new. I mean, that that whole Valley talk and the singing now, so many people have copied her that like looking back, it doesn't seem new anymore. But when she first came out, her vocal coach could have trained the way she was singing all those texts. They could have trained that out of her. Instead, they dialed it up to an 11. They exaggerated it. It makes me go ahead. Go ahead. No, no well, that, that was like a that, pause. For no, no, I, I, I love that. It makes me think of uh, one of our favorite Christmas movies is called family stone. And it's a, uh, it's a family uh, centered uh, show, but with their dysfunction and whatnot. And there's a line in it. Uh, the one guy say, I think it's the actor, Luke Wilson. And he's talking to, um, Oh, who's the sex in the city? Famous actress, the main one. Uh, I can't remember. Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker. Yes, he's talking to her. So she's the other character. And he says, you've, you've got a freak flag. You just don't fly it. And that always stuck with our family. You've got, so that's a, that's vernacular in our family of uh, where I'm seeing your freak flag uh, or your dysfunction showing your spectrum showing. That's what my family say. Yeah. Your spectrum showing, but uh, you just, we say that too in my family. You're really spectrum me today. Yeah. yeah. That's a new one for us. I like it. Hey, your spectrum showing, uh, but you just don't fly. And that's what we're saying. Let it, let it fly a little bit. And again, granted, this is not going to be the most comfortable. Some people are going to hear this and go, yes, oh, permission. And others are going to feel like, that's oh, right. oh, that's I, I, how do we, how do you appeal to that type of person? I mean, I am an introvert. I'm not looking to be on stage, which I think a lot of people on stage are introverts, but it's just where the medium is, where the platform is, but I'm not really looking to do that. I, it wouldn't be my choice to go post my life on social media. And I don't really want to do that, but it's different than saying, give people, how can you connect? How can they connect with you? And whether that's, it is some, somebody, your freak flagger, like you said, kind of those things of how do you dial it up is what you said. Yeah. So I'm using the reference from spinal tap where, yeah. uh, they, there's like, you know, it goes up to 11 <laughs> You know, and he's like, well, why didn't you just make 10 louder? He goes, no, but this goes to an 11. I love it. So I said, you turn the volume up on what you're doing to an 11. You want to make sure people can hear you. Yeah. Now, this is particularly hard for for women and people who have been socialized, different, different mm. marginalized identities have been socialized to play it small because it just isn't safe. We've been told... Women shouldn't take up space. We shouldn't raise our voices. We're too loud. And proof of this is everywhere. That's why women are told to be thin because we take up less room. And if you look at Disney, so you have nine kids. Did they watch Disney? Yep. Okay. And these these female characters were getting smaller, by the way. Moana, Mm -hmm. she was like, you could see through her. And the male hero was The Rock. Yeah. The Rock played the male hero. So it was like, okay, you know, this is like a very different message that we're giving women than we're giving men. So for, I know for my fellow introverts out there, I'm an introvert too. That's why Kevin, you and I are podcasters. We get to be famous without leaving our house. Uh-huh. Let's admit it. Yeah. I'm really comfortable. You and me That's right. but put people out in the audience. Right. I'm not so good. Yeah. I mean, we know they're there, but <laughs> we know you're there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being. Well, so hey, may, may speak to that, Miriam, speak to that of the, um, 
I don't know how long you want to say the demographics that have been trained to be quieter. I can't speak to that. I'm a six foot tall, white American male. I, there, there, there's no more privilege on planet earth than me. So, but so speak to that aspect. Yeah. Well, as some, you know, as a woman, I've always been aware of how it affected me. And when I started coaching about five years ago, I noticed that all these things that we've been talking about were much harder for my clients, my the women of color, it was much harder for them. So I sought out um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert, Erica Cordai, and I asked her, "Why is this?" And, and you know, what is what I'm noticing actually true? You know, if, if, am I having a distortion here, or is this? And and she said, "Well, what happens is not only do you have to overcome the starving mind, mindset, but you have to overcome." poverty mindset. So there's a group of people who are being told that, you know, they aren't worth enough, that they have lower salaries. So like, there's actually some circumstantial evidence around what they're thinking and feeling. So, so there is that to overcome as well. So that's why a lot of it just to circle back has all comes back down to mindset and really working on that piece of your own worthiness, giving yourself permission to take up space, no matter what you look like, who you are, or where you're from. Speak then to the art itself, because you got me thinking about that. So if I am, especially, so we've, we've kind of crossed it. There's art everywhere, but let's speak to the fine arts too. Yeah, the- it absolutely shows up in people's artwork okay. too. So we talked about people pleasing with your artwork. When people have a problem with showing up and taking up space, it shows up in their art. And what happens is they make this little artwork, this little thing with this little price tag. And so one of the best ways that I push those artists out of their comfort zone is like, no, you got to start painting bigger with a bigger price tag and you got to take up room now. So it's also like it shows up in the way that uh, they create. So that's why art is such a great self-development tool, because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. So like helping them with their own art, not people, please take up space, do these things, play a bigger game, not just make this little crafty thing over here, this little thing. So it, it is kind of the exercise in the, you know, the quote, finding your voice or the, uh, the music within as the old quote goes, that's what we're talking about unearthing in, 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 in any way. But I do want to come back, you know, even to, or, or to the aspects of the fine arts. I mean, this is a, this is a self-expression and that you can do coming back to you talking about us being introverts that you can do that. I don't think that that is unique to introvert extrovert. Your medium may be your platform may be, which actually is that. So here I am speaking and you know, tens and tens of thousands of people are are going to hear this. Now, if you put them out in an audience and, and and point that's, that's not where I'm best. It's not where I am most comfortable. So I have taken an art form and found a medium that fits me. So when you're talking about that, say, what's your art? And you can paint in a secluded you know, cabin or wherever it is, and you can do that. And then you, know, you still have to bring it to market and do your thing there. But that's different than if you want to be a dancer on stage or a singer on stage on American Idol in front of all those people. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of artists that I work with are introverts because in some ways you you would you are going to be a better artist if you're somebody who 
pulls your energy out of being alone with your artwork. So there is that. And one of the, you're talking about one of the mindset hurdles that are specific to artists, specific to introverts that I, I do work with them about and I talk about in the book is that when you are selling, you don't have to have an extroverted personality. Most of the time, especially with high ticket artwork, you're just talking to one person at a time. And the best sellers are the best listeners, not the best talkers. So it's really about me asking you, Kevin, what is your point of view? You know, like going back to the accountant, if I was an accountant, you know, if I wanted to sell my services, the most important thing I could do is not talk about my values is to ask you about your values. Yeah. Yeah. Your point of view is turn it around. That's right. This. Okay. On the business aspect of that, this is interesting. This has been a journey for me. I'm You said you're 54. I'm 52. So for my entire life, I've been pursued. I didn't know it, but I've been pursuing my art. I love an idea, a concept, something that I care about, a blank piece of paper, create a framework. That's what I love to do. And yet to do that and have the freedom and the autonomy that I want, I've been self-employed. That well, I was going to say by proxy, by the proxy I understood then meant, okay, I'm now an entrepreneur and a business person as well. I've been doing that my whole life. And it finally was, thank God, my wife who said, honey, you're not really a good businessman. <laughs> and I said, you're totally right that we could see that. I just, you know, I don't do that in, and I'm at a place right now of partnering with people to do the business side of that. Now, granted that you know, not everybody has that opportunity day one, and it takes some either some resources to hire that or some sharing of ownership or whatnot. But I am trying to put myself more in the area of art that I do well. And, and before you, honestly, I was thinking more of, okay, I'm going to stay here and I want to stay here and do my art and let other people run the business. And now you've got me thinking, I wrote this the other day that, wait, no, I want to sit here and do my art and then hand off the things that I don't do well to people who that's their art. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes, it is. And the thing is, the you are still an artist by being the visionary of what these other people do. So I don't edit my own podcast. I don't yeah. even ed- I don't edit my own videos anymore. I I try to only do the things that can only be done by me. And your art will show up by how you run your team, not just like the way you run the team, whether they get date time off. I mean, yes, that's part, absolutely part of it. But like, I give a lot of art direction. It's still my ideas yeah. of how things are going to be executed. I also give them the freedom to be creative because I know creativity will flourish more when it's a collaboration. I mean, that was why I went the traditional publishing route. I knew my book would be better because of it. If you want, I don't know if you want to go there. What, what, said, no, no we, we can't. Well, I, I, I do. I, I have a tangent on that because you mentioned this a minute ago. Um, it, so we, we go to farm. I have kids who have booths. They do stuff at farmer's markets around, uh, around the area. And so you go there and a lot of times you'll see somebody with an, uh, an art or, you know, painting they do out, especially outdoor stuff around here. And they're doing that and they're having to talk to people and sell them one by one right there. I see that in some of the towns as well, where they've got, they open up a studio, they have their stuff there. You walk in, you're literally talking to the artist. I'm be more on the other side of, uh, and this is what you kind of mentioned a, a minute ago of working with a gallery that's doing that. I only have to sell myself to one person, whoever that gallery owner or whatever is sell myself to them. They can then deal with the thousands of people. Yes, yeah. but, but, okay. D- did you traditionally publish your book? 
Yeah, yeah, I did like you too, because I didn't want to okay. self-publish and All sell right. it to so, a thousand. Okay, so you yeah. do know like how the publisher, they see you as a partner in the marketing, and the same thing is true with galleries. They want to take on artists who are going to be partners with the marketing. So a lot of artists have this fantasy. All I have to do is find a gallery and I'm going to be all set. Well, the, it's like that same fantasy an author might have that the, the publisher is going to do everything for them because guess what? 2023, they do not. Yeah. So uh, you, you, they, and, and publishers and galleries are both looking to represent artists and authors who have a track record of sales True. Now that may not be you. May it may be your first book, but they they see that you know how to market and you have an audience. And the same thing is true with galleries. They want to know that you have a track record of sales. That your art has an audience. So we were also. I just wanted to circle back to this. We were talking about can you just do your art in the cave and never interact with the customer? You really can't yeah, if you want to create good art because you need to know how your art is resonating with people. Whether that's a podcast, a book, or a painting, how are they responding to it? And you can only yeah. find that out when you get in front of your. No, customer. totally fair. Yeah, so I did go to. I saw your book. You're with what Harper? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I'm with I'm with McGraw Hill. So I I did do that. Now, of course, the reason, like you, that I you know got the book deals because I've sold myself here on the podcast and I've got you know six hundred thousand downloads a month. Um. And, and the connections with so many other people with podcasts. So yeah, they're expecting me to be on a hundred podcasts, you know, doing that, but that's still within my, it still feels different than I'm not, I, I didn't totally self-publish and I'm out there going, you know, buy my book so I can make 10 bucks, uh, you know, a book. I do have some help. I wanted help with distribution. I wanted the credibility that came with that. And so I did align. And that's, I think, you know, you're, we're, we're looking at personality styles too. If you're going to paint, what are your opportunities to go out there? Do you want to be at a farmer's market? Do you want a town where you have a studio? You talk to everybody one-on-one. Do you want to partner with a gallery? Do you want to get in an online format? Kind of the, do you want to connect with somebody else who sells themselves? Well, kind of like the Oprah effect, you know, if you've got your book and Oprah talks about it, you're going to sell a million copies. Um, that's the old, I think they attribute that to Occam's razor theory. You know, do you want to sell your one book to a thousand different people or sell it to one person, uh, sell a thousand copies to one person? There's different ways to go about it. Okay. One other thing I wanted to hit on Miriam, and I mentioned this before with the aspect of thinking that we have to be the best, right? So if I'm going to, whatever my art is, whether it's, you know, an accountant or whether I am painting or sculpting or singing that I have to be the best. I mean, I guess think about singing. You got American Idol. Do, do, is it always the best? I mean, it's, it's something unique there and play with that with me for a minute of it's not the best, but it is like you said, point of view, it is something different. People do want to see something different. And if you think about all the different art, you know, people, if we think about the famous artists, who is the best? I don't, I don't, is that even a, a term or a thought? It's not the best, but who has a unique point of view, a unique flavor that just resonates with people. I mean, I, you know, Da Vinci or, or Van Gogh or whatever. I mean, people resonate with the story, the style, the whatnot, and open that up for people too, as they're looking about, yeah, I really want to do this art and the weightiness when they feel like I've got to put in my 10,000 hours, which I do, but I mean, I've got to be the absolute best. I've got to be Juilliard quality. And I don't see the kudos always going to that. 
Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a couple of different threads I could pick up here. I'm not sure Go. which one I want to pick up. <laughs> but uh, one of the things when when I first uh, when so I when I went after this a, a publishing contract, I had complete belief and faith that I would get an agent and I would get a contract. I don't know why. I think I didn't know how hard it was is for most people. It's a good thing I didn't know, but I just saw it as like it's a sales thing. I know how to sell. Once I signed the contract and they said, come back to me in six months, I freaked out. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I they made a mistake. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, don't they know I've never written a book before? I have no idea what to do. And I was talking to one of my own, my podcast guests, Dr. Eric Maisel, and he coaches on creativity and he's a psychologist. And I was saying to him, you know, I understand this whole concept of shitty first draft. And he like cut me off. Miriam, what you don't understand is you need to be willing to write a shitty first book. Hmm. And when he said that, that set me free. Now, the people I see see stumbling the most are the ones who have that idea, because you were talking about the perfect thing. They have the idea that the thing has to be perfect before they get it out in the world. And that's what I call a uh, sleeping beauty complex is that whole idea. Like, you know, it's, I use a lot of Disney references, obviously. So sleeping beauty, the, the Disney one, they, they take the, the print, the fairies take the princess. They don't want her to prick her figure. So they hide her in the woods and you don't see her again until she's a fully grown woman. Right. You know, they kept her safe. And that's what a lot of people want to do with their businesses and their podcasts. Like I was talking to one of my friends and she was recording the podcast. She's like, well, I don't think I should put it out. I'm not quite sure what my message is. I was like, well, you're treat you're treating your podcast like it needs you have to wait for it to be an adult before you put it out in the world. Bring it out now. It's okay if it has braces and pimples okay you're never going to get to that place where you have that finished product that 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 message until you start bringing things out my book isn't perfect it's a good book but there's things that like i i've evolved since then and i would say things differently now yeah I, i'm nodding here uh because i did same thing this, this is my first book i'm a, a year and a half past the, the date of the due date of it, because I got the deal, you know, and, and if people don't know, especially with the nonfiction book, you don't write the whole thing. You have a book proposal, you have the concept, you write some samples to say, you know, so that you can write. And these days they want to see that you've got some type of a following as well. You submit that. And if you're, you know, if you're fortunate, you get a, a book deal. So I did that too, wrote it, delivered it. And they said, man, the concepts there, but this, this doesn't fly. It was a failure. Totally. I totally rewrote it. That's why it's so behind. I, and I had to go to school to figure out how to be. So I, I write a lot. Doesn't mean I was a writer and I had to go learn to be a writer. And so I lived what you're talking about. I put out the, yeah, the crappy book and, uh, had to rewrite it, but at least I got started. I don't think I would have ever, I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And now you're right. I'm already looking at my second book. Oh my gosh, how much I have learned and how different the process will be. But yeah, you had to start. Yeah, to start. Hey, thank you. This is, uh, I appreciate the testimonial that I wrote on this. I love how you put the book together. Yeah. And for everything you've heard us talking about, you have case stories in the book that you have used and you have kind of step-by-step -step methodologies that really unpack. I, I feel like it's kind of the, okay, let's get real and open the kimono. This is what it really, this is what really happens out there. This is how you can do it and do it 
do it better, do it right, do it with some peace and have some success with it and actually deliver uh, your art. So thank you for doing what you've done to bring it uh, to market. And thanks for the time to be here on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. It's been a lot of fun. Friends, this is prime time to look at your work, at what you offer, what product or service, what role you fulfill. Are you also including your point of view? What are you sharing so that people can connect with you? If you want security and advancement and increases, you need to be able to answer those questions. How are you connecting with folks? Uh, Again, you can find Miriam Schulman's book, Artpreneur, everywhere. Uh, It's a great resource for all this work we've been talking about. Uh, You can get a free chapter, again, at schulmanart.com slash believe, and that's spelled S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N. Uh, And also encourage you to find her podcast. Check it out at The Inspiration Place. Thank you for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends.